everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts, TJ Branson and Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. So today we are going to be tackling a mailbag sort of episodes. We got questions from the Discord, from Twitter, and the DMs there. First, as usual, we are going to be checking out the injuries. And finally, with some hockey, we got we got people coming back. We got people that were on IR, that were taken off, and then put back on. See Darcy Kemper in that situation there. But the guys coming back, Kyle Palmieri, Colton Perrieko, Trevor Moore, Jake Muzzin, Jeff Skinner, Jacob Silverberg, Miro Heiskanen, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Justin Schultz will be back tomorrow. A lot of people getting healthy. Zach, before we went into the break, when Darcy Kemper came off the IR, I don't know if there's like some weird IR cap things that somebody was trying to work around during those six or seven days, whatever, when they're off. It looks like Darcy Kemper is not good to go. Uh, Aiden Hill still remains with the team. So that's going to be just a little bit left to go. Have you heard anything on like Eunice Corposalo? Anything? Is he due back at any point soon? It's got to be coming around the corner, right? I sure hope so because he's my guy. And I, I want to see what happens between him and Merslekins. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to follow. So it looks like the initial reports were mid-February. So we're still like two weeks away, three weeks away there. So there's that. Let's let's hop into these questions now. We got seven questions to look at. Uh, the first one coming from the Discord user. It was uh, T-Bone. T-Bone in the Discord. Uh, Big Tim writes articles for Overtime Heroics. Great stuff. Um, you can find it on Reddit. You can find it on Twitter. He asks, with more teams going with goalie tandems, instead of drafting individual goalies from each team, what are your thoughts on fantasy hockey teams and your leagues switching to drafting the tandem together? And he used the defense and special teams from fantasy football as an example there. Yeah, as like a jumping off point, which I will say I think is kind of incredibly interesting. As you guys all know, so it's like you, you draft just the Eagles defense and you get if they score, if they get a bunch of points scored against them, you can possibly sweet. Connor Brown got an assist. Uh, you can possibly be losing points. So. You have the entire defense, and then if you say draft the Carolina Hurricanes goalies, so that means that you wouldn't have just Peter Morazic. You would have Peter Morazic, you would have James Reimer, but say Morazic gets hurt and they call somebody up from the AHL, kind of like what happened with Arizona. They had to call up Aiden Hill. That means that you would also, TJ, have Aiden Hill which I think is really kind of interesting, and it would put you in a predicament just like with players that we have now. Do you put them on IR? Do you drop them in order to pick up another goalie tandem or team of goalies? That it, It's kind of interesting, and I like the idea, but I am a big fan, as you know, of drafting tandems and handcuffing yeah. people. Yeah. The fantasy hockey GM that's really big on tandems is going to like this idea. For me, I'm not with it. I'm I, I see the you benefits. Hate goalies. Number one, yeah. But then, say I like the streaming goalies. I like having, you know, Varlamov and Ranta, or Varlamov and Kemper, or what? What's the one we have in Fantrax? Is Varley and Hellebuck. Like I like having two different starters, which were two good goalies to to get. Yeah, no, Hellebuck but... slipping. It was good for for a long time. Now we're running about 50% right now. <laughs> Hellebuck has not been great. We'll be. Uh, I like the goalie hunt when when you have to like hit starts. I like streaming goalies, just specific goalies. Like, yeah, it's you, fun I guess to you could do stream. on a Sunday. 
you could stream match like you could stream tandems. I could pick up, you know, the Dallas. T- no, you you can't pick up the Dallas tandem. But like, say you're in a 12 team league, that leaves you with what 17 teams that would be on your goalie waiver wire, and you would have to pick up a tandem. I could see this in like a weekly lock league, where you pick up the tandem and you rock it for the whole week. Uh, there's going to be those weeks where you only have two games, and if there is a goalie minimum. But do you do you have two tandems? Is that how you ride your goalie situation? I would think with only twelve team leagues, you would you would have to. Now in a sixteen or twenty team leaguer, yeah, then I think it would be different. Yeah. You would there would probably not be the type of well waiver fodder out there. <laughs> but in a twelve team, I think you could definitely. It would be great. I mean, you could have Boston and Washington. And you would have both, you know what I mean? You would have Holtby and Samsonov when he's coming on. You know what I mean? It would be a good look. I'm a purist. I, I like I like the way it is right now, having two different goalies that you can either choose to have a handcuff or you ah, can. I like a purist. it. Si- sipping your, your drinks with your pinky out. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, my Red Bull. Tall boy Red Bull over here. Classy as heck. Purist. Um, but that's that. I think it's part of fantasy hockey. When your goalie goes down, you have to be able to shuffle. Like we had talked about the Flyers last year. If you just had the Flyers goalies, you would have had to do none well, of the stuff have, that people had to go through last year. Oh, you would have yeah. dropped them by the time they got like, to like yeah. Calvin Pickard. Oh. Yeah, you you would have dropped them, and you would have picked up another another group of goalies. There's no way would have actually held on to the Flyers goalies last year, setting a league record in most goalies used in the season. Horrible. <laughs> I like the hunt. I'm there for the hunt. No, I think I think it would be too too volatile. And goalies are volatile as it is. All right, let's move on to our next question now. How much stock do you put into line combinations? A and ton. That's, that's the full question there. And I think there's layers to this question. I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to break it down into layers. For me, I see top six, depending on the team, if it's like Edmonton, where the top line, the value there is high. It's super high, especially if they're they're stacking it. And then the second line isn't so much where you see guys like McDavid getting 25 minutes a night, and then the second line, uh, maybe like 18 to 19 to 20, depending on who's on that line. Depending on how big the drop-off is, then line combinations start to come into question where right now Nashville just John Hines finally blew up the the Nashville line combinations. I think they got Johansson, Forsberg, and Arvidsson all on different lines with like Austin Watson on the top line and just some really wacky stuff going on there. But if it's something like that, then I start to to pay attention. But if if somebody goes from the second line to the first line, it, it moves the needle, but not enough for me to like, and I guess it depends on the player. I more or less look at power play line combinations if you're on the top power play versus the second power play that means a lot more to me than first line versus second line i mean i put a lot of stock into line combinations well because really there's not a ton for us to go you know what i mean in in all honesty you are pretty much playing the lottery every single day Mm -hmm. um between do i start this person over this person and sometimes just that little bit might change your idea if they are playing with uh, a new group of players and they get bumped up to the first line yeah i might give somebody a shot out 
really what all is there to go on. I mean, you have line combinations. I usually go off like recent stats and year long stats, obviously. Uh, I put I put a lot of stock into kind of like the 15 day thing. because I want to see how are you playing recently in your past, say, five, six games, weekly schedule minutes, top six, bottom six, like you said. So it's not like there's really a ton to go on. Line combinations is one of really, what, five things that we're really looking at to decide, number one, who do I want to pick up? Waiver wire, I think, matters more for my line combination thoughts than anything else. Mm. Because really, what else am I looking at? I look at top six versus bottom six and even a little bit of gray area in there because there was times in the last couple weeks Brock Besser was on the third line. It's not like I'm going to drop Brock Besser just based on... But you might not start him over another player. That's a fair point, yeah. For the sole reason of he got dropped down to the third line and is playing with third line players. So if you have to choose between Brock Besser and another player who still has his first line deployment, I'm going to choose the first liner. And you really got to put those two players on the scales and which one do you trust more? How does the matchup play out? This is going to tie in perfectly to another question we got here. That is, what are the factors that you look at when determining a solid streaming option? Secondly, what indicators do you look for in longer term holds? And I think you hit the nail on the head, like those five, four or five things that you'd said, line combinations, deployment, and deployment can be defined as two different things. It could be where you are in the lineup. It could also be uh, where you take your draws if you have offensive zone deployment versus defensive zone deployment, because there are first line players out there that that spend 60% of their time in the defensive zone. And and also, especially with that, it's what kind of minutes you're getting. It's not just you're getting minutes. It's where are those minutes? Like you said, are the minutes in the offensive zone, but also are there power play minutes? That a perfect a example, Zach. Role. Andrew Kopp, a perfect example. Third line guy averaging like 19 minutes a game because he's playing. Like if you just use line combinations, you're not going to think about Andrew Kopp in any aspect of ever thinking about him, but he gets special team time. He gets power and play he's, time. Yeah, he's, all the, he's also on the power play and yeah. the penalty kill. <clears throat> he's used in every situation. So for me, time on ice is more important than a line combination just based on, and we see it all the time, like depending on which beat writer you you pay attention to, the guys in Vancouver, uh, they choose which of the top six lines they want to put first in whatever tweet they're sending out. Sometimes it's the Horvat line. Sometimes they put Elias Pettersson line at the top of their depth chart, whatever they're doing in their tweet. So it's really with a grain of salt there and even leading into more of my way of thinking that it's top six versus bottom six. And that's what I hold higher than, you know, top line versus second line. To me, that's not that big of a drop off. What is important is time on ice. Now, guys like Kyler Yamamoto, who are getting second line time, but still only getting 15 minutes a night, that speaks louder than second line deployment. And and you remember that guy, Joel Kivaranta for Dallas, who would be on the top line, but still somehow getting 11 minutes. Yeah, 11, 11 minutes time on ice. Rupi Hintz, second line on paper, but he's getting like 13, 14 minutes a night. So you really need to, when you look at line combinations, you also need to factor in time on ice there. And when we're talking about more factors that you look at when you're looking at a streaming option, matchups are going to play a huge part here. And you can tie the matchups into the line combinations and deployment, time on ice. Yeah, you might be playing New Jersey, but if you're only playing 13 minutes against New Jersey from a second line spot, the value goes down a little bit. 
if you're getting the minutes, the more minutes you're out there against a weaker team, the better your chances are. So yeah, the matchup is a big part. The deployment, placement on the power play, shooting percentage, I guess. And I think this is what sets us apart from maybe some other podcasts is we're big fans of high shooting percentages for spot starts where we'll hear a lot of other you know, fantasy hockey media members out there that say like, oh, stay away from uh, Dominic Kubalik because he has a 20% shooting percentage. But I'm like, dude, give that's, me all of that. Yeah, that's that's what I want. When I pick you up for today and today alone, I'm going to drop you tomorrow. I have a one in five chance of getting a goal, please. Yeah. Yes. I want you to have a 20% shooting percentage. Now, is it going to drop off? Absolutely. <laughs> but I don't care because you'll be yeah. on the waiver wire, right? Like Exactly. I'm not going to hold on to you for that. I'm picking you up for today. And if mm-hmm. you just scored three goals in your last two games and added on another four assists, you know what I mean? Like, and you're just playing out of your mind, but you are not that good. I still want to pick you up because if you're going to do it again and I even get some sort of points or, or anything from you, then I won that day. I'm not going to hold on to you. I'm not going to keep you for the entire season because I know that your 20% shooting percentage when you have a career average of 11.5% isn't going to hold. But right now, yeah, that's what I want. No, you want those players for the day. That'll lead us right into what determines what, what, uh, not maybe not determines, but like what separates a long term hold from a stream. For me, there are certain indicators. It's time on ice, again, biggest one. And if you have, a shooting percentage that's a little high, I'm going to be a little more cautious. But if I pick you up with the intention of maybe streaming you for three or four games and it goes well, I'll give you another week. I'll give you another couple games. But if you're somebody that has some red flags out there, high shooting percentage, just too much luck-based variance, high on-ice shooting percentage, just getting too lucky. And I know lucky is a kind of a dirty word in hockey, but there are certain factors that play into play into luck. And a high on-ice shooting percentage is a big one. And and it's everybody that you play with is riding a high shooting percentage. And that just means that the bottom will fall out. And I think a perfect example here is somebody like Oliver Bjorkstrand, who is an ideal streamer turned long-term hold. His on-ice shooting percentage is a couple clicks higher than it was. But I'm looking at a PDO. And this is going to, again, this will tie into another question. Somebody's asking about advanced stats. The PDO should always be around 100. When you look at a culmination of most players and it breaks down to 100 and the PDO is a combination of on-ice shooting percentage plus on-ice save percentage. And I don't know what kind of voodoo goes on, but it always floats around 100%. It's weird. I don't know how to explain it. And when I'm looking into Oliver Bjorkstrand here, uh, the secondary assist ratio to primary assist ratio, that it's it's even keel here. So it's reassuring that he's not riding secondary assists, which I also lump into the luck-based variants uh, as well. And the goals per 60 is right where it was last year, but where he's breaking out this year is, what, six or seven minutes more time on ice than he had last year? Just there are certain things that are red flags or all <laughs> or that that are red flags or green flags. I don't, I don't know, checkered flags or what, what's the go for NASCAR or whatever? Is it a green flag? The green light. Let's say green light. For me, that'll turn somebody into... Checkered flag is when you win. Well, Oliver Bjorkstrand sure as hell is a checkered flag, I think. But I think he's a perfect example of a long-term hold that is sustainable. Now, somebody like James Neal, at the beginning of the year, 
everybody was going to keep riding that high horse and then it dropped off like crazy and now everybody's like well maybe he's got another one in the tank they refuse to drop him maybe and you can go back to the older episodes and listen to the writing on the wall that was there but what what really sets it apart for you how do you how do you make the transition from stream to long-term hold well, we talked about line combinations, and that's a big one for me. So you had said minutes, which I, I, I totally agree with, but we talked about line combinations earlier. That makes me think of a player like, we've talked a lot about Anthony Sorelli and Brian Russ this year. They were both streaming options at the beginning of the year, were not drafted very much in 12-teamers. Now, in, in deep league, in deep league 16-team leagues, wow, that was hard to say, um, <laughs> They were drafted, I'm sure, but they were picked up. Now, a big part of that reason why is, well, Anthony Sorelli broke into the top six. All right. He even was getting some first uh, power play time. He's playing with much better people. He's getting much better deployment. He's getting much more minutes. Same thing with Brian Rust. Brian Rust, because of injuries, was thrust into a role where he was playing with Evgeny Malkin and he took advantage of it in a big way. And it wasn't just Malkin being Malkin while Crosby is out. Brian Russ put his own stamp on it, and he made himself a hold for pretty much anybody that picked him up. If you dropped Brian Russ after he started, that's your own fault. Brian Russ has his shots to thank. At age 27, his shots exploded. I don't know what clicked this year for him, but it's it's nuts. It was always there, TJ. I've been telling you for a long time, but <laughs> that is besides the point. So really it all comes down to usage, line combinations. I also, a lot of times, look at future schedules. That That's a big one for me. We're going to go back a couple of years here. It was a year I personally, I made a really deep run into, uh, into the playoffs. I, I might have even won that year, but I did it all behind. This was before... The Lightning were the juggernaut that they are today. I know where this is going. They were fighting for they're fighting for a playoff spot. Now they did not make it into the playoffs, but they were fighting for a playoff spot. They had great games for the for like the last five weeks of the year, and I picked up a couple of different uh, a couple of different Lightning players, including like Andres Palat, Tyler Johnson, I believe it was. And it really helped propel me into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs because of their schedule. That kind of stuff matters to me. And also, what is this team playing for? Are they going to be sitting major players? Is Evgeny Malkin going to be sitting in the press box because it's the end of the year and that's what they do with Evgeny Malkin because the Penguins clinch up their spot way early and that they don't want to play their stars? And I don't blame them. I would do the same thing if I were a GM. I would say, you know what? You're not doing me any help out here at the end of the season. We could lose the rest of the games and we'll still make the playoffs. All of that kind of plays into it. Um, I love looking at schedules ahead of time if I'm thinking about who do I want to drop and who do I want to hold. Especially a lot of times on the bottom of my, I usually try to rotate one guy in, one guy out at the bottom of my roster. And a lot of times I'm trying to think, who is that guy? That'll bring us to our next question here. At what point do you give up on a player in a cold streak? Really broad question. Uh, so I think it, it really depends on what 
caliber player you're talking about. So somebody perfect example is Kelly Arncroke, I think. Um, now a mid level replacement option for us in our twelve team league that went on and could even still be on because I'm not paying attention because I'm not attracted to him at this point. Now he went oh. I think it was like five games. He had given me maybe thirteen solid games. So I think where wherever you there right there, that's a perfect one. So say somebody gives you ten great games, if they go five without giving you anything, that's a perfect time to cut bait. So I think a fifty percent cold streak for however long you've been riding them is a perfect way to do it because if it's somebody like Connor McDavid, even like I'm not, I'm not saying in any world somebody's going to drop Connor McDavid, but if he goes 60 games point per game and then he goes the other 22 pointless, are you you're going to think about dropping Connor McDavid, right? No, <laughs> no, no. But I, 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 think, I would I would much rather trade someone like I think Connor McDavid is just a bad name to use. All right, so let's go with Dylan Larkin, who was dropped pretty consistently at the beginning of the year, and then he goes on a 14-game tear. Now, say you picked him up at the beginning of his 14-game tear. If he goes the next seven without any points, would you drop him? Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. I would imagine so. Do you think you would pull the trigger before that seven-game point? For me, I think 50% I think, is yeah, a good, I think is right, a good I rule. I think right around there. I'm usually at like five to, to seven games. Even though I did hang on to a PK Subban for a lot longer than I rightfully should have. Well, you got to think about maybe the 50% rule goes back years and years and years. You know, like he's been so good for so long that you refuse to let go because he, he's shown it. Uh, you know and, what I say? So, and and I like how you you said there. There's so many there's so many factors into dropping a player. Like I'm. My mind is always racing a mile a minute. My thought is, okay, so if I drop this guy, is TJ going to pick them up right away? And then I'm never going to get them back. <laughs> Will they survive and I, and I'm just, I'm using, on the I'm waiver I'm using wire. you as an example. I, I, it could be anybody. Is this player going to get picked up by somebody else immediately? Kind of like, so, so you drop Spurgeon. I picked him up. Now he's doing much better. I'm sure that kind of puts a little uh, a, a little craw into you. Even if it's somebody that's doing bad, I'm going to try to trade them first. I also, I, I like the fact that you brought up Callie Yarncrock. Why was Callie Yarncrock succeeding in the first place? Deployment, minutes, exposure. A.K.A. Philip Forsberg was out. If the player that you're replacing is coming back soon, that's going to lead me to, to see... The chances are, and you and you even said it before, now is the time to drop Cali Yarncroc because Forsberg is coming back. So why were you succeeding in the first place? Are those same circumstances not going to be around? If they're not going to be around, you're not going to be getting that first uh, that first line spot. You aren't going to be getting the minutes as much. You aren't going to be out there shooting as much. You are less valuable to me. So I always look, why is somebody succeeding in the first place? Mm. Brian Rust, he is succeeding because he is in a more prominent role. Now, if he would drop out of that prominent role and they would put him back onto the fourth line and bury him, kind of like a Jeff Skinner, all of a sudden, you are very droppable because you are not getting that deployment. All right, I'm going to touch on a question real quick. 
I did like a little bit of a primer for advanced stats uh, with the PDO, but I'm going to, and I'm sorry uh, if, if, if you were interested in hearing an explanation on the advanced stats, but that's something I have planned for the off season. I just want to do an entire episode. Maybe one of the days Zach might not be able to make it because he'll fall asleep on me, but I'll, I'll do a, an advanced stat primer that I'll go through top advanced stats and just kind of give a, um, a broad stroke approach to it. So that that's going to come up. It's going to be its own separate episode. If you're interested, you can listen to that episode coming up. It'll be in the off season. So if you have any questions, you can hit me up on Twitter. You can hit us up in the discord. I'll, I'll be happy to explain it to you then, but I, I want to get everything all in one episode there. I think there's a lot of stuff that is useful for fantasy hockey when it comes to advanced stats and, and there's stuff that kind of gets blown out of proportion. So yay, Corsi four. Yeah, Corsi four maybe gets a little blown out. Because like who cares how the other team's doing when you're on the ice? You know what I mean? It's it's Corsi is plus minus for shots on goal. And that's how I'm gonna dumb down Corsi. All right, so two more questions here. What is something you do in your weekly matchups that you found to turn you into a better fantasy hockey GM? I play defense. So you pick up players that your opponent would pick or do you pick, pick up, players up players that are on the same line? So you and I are playing this week. There was a uh, one of the games last week. I picked up a player specically because you had the other two people on that line. I'm so that way, keep up there. I'm trying to at least stop the bleeding before it happens. Okay, so if you are to get the goal, maybe I'll get an assist out of it. So instead of you gaining three points, you only gain one point. Same thing uh, that I, that's what I do. I play defense, especially against someone like you. But <laughs> yeah, I think you picked up uh, Cahoon to my Crosby and McCann combo or something. Yeah, I believe that's what it was. Just and, and actually, luckily, they got shut out that game. So I didn't really have to worry about it. I wasn't hurt because you had two players that got shut out. And I only had <laughs> I think what I do is I like to set and this is, of course, when I remember, you have to take into account that I'm in 10 different leagues. I have two kids. We we work heavy schedules, Zach and I. Um, I like to set my lineup for the whole week on Monday when I'm off of work. Now, this shows me who's on my bench during heavy nights and who's expendable to a certain degree. Now, you, you do have to factor in like off nights and stuff like that. So maybe you have the players that are on your bench during heavy nights could play during off nights. And that's essential to you being able to win a week. So if there's somebody that I find that's on my bench too much, I put them in the droppable category where I could stream somebody else in. And I think not playing it day by day, but instead playing it week by week changed the way that I look at fantasy hockey, where you you get too attached to certain players. but And, and of course, there's a certain tier that you just don't drop no matter what. And I feel like that tier is never on your bench anyway. So seeing who spends a lot of time on your bench that maybe you're just keeping around because of nostalgia, whatever it is. But if they're not doing anything for you, pick up somebody else that is. That is one thing that I found that has helped me maybe reach the next level. Who knows if that's a good way to put it. But I think that's going to be extremely beneficial when you get into your fantasy hockey playoffs where you're thinking, oh, yeah, New York has the Islanders have such a great schedule. But if you go and pick up somebody from the Islanders, are you going to have room for them? I think it's important to set your lineups like do it right now. Go and find out your fantasy hockey playoffs. Set your lineups for the entire playoffs while you're watching a game tonight or whatever you're doing, as long as you're not driving. 
set your lineup for the entire playoffs. See who's on your bench. If somebody like a Dylan Larkin is on your bench or they're simply not playing, because I know Detroit has some bad schedules in the playoffs here, use them as trade bait. Now, maybe you have a playoff format that somebody like Alexander Barkov doesn't see a lot of games, or when they do, it's on heavy nights that they don't fit because he's a center, this, that, and the other thing. Shop Barkov. So use these people that have gotten you to the playoffs to get you through the playoffs. And, and I think that's a big thing. I think that's actually very well said. Thank you. <clears throat> playing for the future, not playing for the now. What tools do you use to do your research? That is our final question. As it stands right now, I have like 14 tabs open. Hockey reference is always my go-to when I am in the moment. Hockey reference, uh, natural stat trick is a big one that I use for advanced stats like uh, secondary, primary assists, uh, shots per 60, like rate stats, individual rate stats. The guys over at Fantasy Hockey Podcast have an insane in-season toolkit that everybody should be using in their fantasy hockey day-to-day. It shows you, it pulls from natural stat trick and shows you like last seven days, last 14, last 30. It shows you the on-ice shooting percentage, why players it's, are doing It's pretty well. awesome. It's so cool. It's pretty awesome. And, and that's been a huge help. The Dauber guys, they have... Some of the best tools out there, number one, their articles. Like I read damn near every article that Dauber puts out and his team of writers, Cam Robinson, Mike uh, Rossi, Brennan D'Souza, Ben Burnett, the the old host. Now he's on short shifts with Keeping Carlson. I listen to a ton of podcasts. I love the, the PDO cast, 31 Thoughts, um, other fantasy hockey podcasts. The guys at Fantasy Hockey Podcast are great. Keeping Carlson is great. There are a few others that are worth looking into. I, I just absorb. I'm a sponge. So if there's fantasy hockey content, I use it. If I'm talking about like websites and stuff like that, Daily Face, let me just read to you all my bookmarks. That's, that's a perfect way to do it. So I got Twitter. That's great for uh, beat writers, injury news, mind combinations, Reddit. There's so much good discussion going on there. Hockey reference, Dauber Frozen Tools, Natural Statric, Daily Face Off, the in-season toolkit. Puckpedia has a great website for injuries where it just lists every injury It has their timeline, and it shows you when they should be back. Icydata.hockey is a free open source tool for heat maps and stuff like that. It doesn't get too in-depth if you want to stay in front of the paywall, but it's great. Quant Hockey is another one that I use a lot. They have um, different sorts of information that maybe you won't get from like a hockey reference or something. Nice Time on Ice is a really good one. There's this great hockey website out there it's a dot html so i think it's just run by one guy who like really likes to do something but it's hockeygoalies.org you can look up like just click on the anaheim ducks and it has there are three goalies anthony stolarz john gibson ryan miller and it shows their splits so right now i can look that ryan miller has played two games in the last six games and that john gibson played four of those last six games you you can see kind of which way the pendulum's swinging yeah i think i think that's about it for me well, you just named everything. So <laughs> the Sorry. only other thing that I use that you don't is my heart. Yeah, I don't you have s- your heart yet. You say yet? Well, you do, well, you do have my heart. <laughs> I don't use it the way I should. I play with your heart strengths. Like um, by trading but for yeah, no, I, I, I do. I, I, I kind of go. I also kind of go by feel. Like if I feel that two players are really even and I'm really deciding between two players to pick up or something like that, I'll go, I'll go, with, a, I'll go with a gut feeling, especially when you're picking up somebody that's like 0.4% owned. 
There is no if understating going, if Zach's going, gut feelings. Zach's gut they, feelings are like nothing else. Work, TJ, yeah. But they work. And you guys should do the same thing is don't if you have a gut feeling, go with it. Like if you just feel that something's going to go right, do it. Go ahead and do it. I mean, unless it's like something stupid, like dropping Connor McDavid or something. I don't know. Like to a degree, like if you have a gut feeling that if you think that like Nick Letty is going to light it up and he's on your waiver wire, you just have that kind of feeling. Follow that feeling, especially if it's somebody that's worst case scenario barely going to hurt you. Yeah, he he hasn't scored in four games, but he has an assist. His shots are okay. The the minutes are there. He gets some power play time. If you can justify it in your head, go for it, man. I, I think there's no reason you shouldn't. All right, man. I think that's that's what's going to wrap up our, our mailbag episode. So I had done the guy that we're going to have on tomorrow, Steven. Uh, and I want to avoid saying his last name right now because I had butchered it. That's, that's wrong. Uh, it's Sahoyas. I would not have Sahoyos. guessed. I would. I have. I would not have guessed the silent G. Uh, I'm still having trouble. He. <laughs> I told him I was like, dude, I butchered it. Like he's got videos on his Twitter, and I. I guess I should have done this before anything else, but he does play by play for different AHL teams and stuff like that, and in, in the OHL and WHL. And I. I had listened to him say his own last name, and I was like, oh my god, I butchered the crap out of that one. Totally minced it. So I apologize. I was like, dude, I butchered your last name, but. Looking at the spelling, I told him, I was like, it's not the first time it's happened, and I doubt it'll be the last. So, like, I'm sorry, but... Yeah, you can't pronounce half the league. Oh, yes, I can, Mr. Jeff Petri. Oh, my God. Kelly Yarncrock. Yeah, this this one was not easy. So, tomorrow, we will have Steven Sehoyas on to talk about playoffs. Which teams are worth stacking up on? Which teams are... Um, with everybody's trade deadlines coming up, I think that's going to be on the forefront of everyone's minds, is that... If, if you're in the playoffs, then you want to start planning for the playoffs. If you're making a push, you need to be able to win now and at the same time play for the playoffs that you're hoping to get to. So that's going to be a really interesting episode. I'm excited to talk to him. His videos, he's super well-spoken. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. But until then, you guys can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Fantasy NHL. You can join our Discord. And generally, like if there's a way to reach us, do not hesitate because we're always we're pretty accessible, man. I like to think so. So until tomorrow, we love you guys. Love you.